Aaron, um, we got a little bit of, uh, before we get into this show, we got a few things to, to tell the audience about or sort of riff about uh, before we jump into the show. Yeah, absolutely. So, so number one thing, actually, OSCON is right around the corner. And we have been and continue to be uh, an O'Reilly media sponsor and uh, helping out with the community. It's been incredible. And they've been fortunate enough and really generous to offer us two passes to give away. Last year, I think we gave away one. Yep. Uh, this year, we're giving away two. That's right. Because uh, so May 16th through the 19th, uh, for the first time, they're moving it away from Portland. They're moving it to Austin. Um, Austin is sort of the the place to have an event this year. So, uh, you know, OpenStax there uh, this weekend or next week, and uh, OSCON's going to follow up pretty shortly afterwards. So, yeah, um, we can we can give away the passes individually, or uh, we can give them away to uh, you know two at a time if somebody comes up with a really awesome reason why they deserve two passes instead of one. Yeah, absolutely. And and so to be clear too, it's kind of details on this. It's bronze level passes. So the value on those is, is like seventeen seventeen forty five, if I remember, seventeen hundred forty five US. Yep. Um, and bronze level passes get you Wednesday and Thursday all sessions, expo hall, keynotes, everything, as well as um, a three month subscription to Safari Pro, uh, which is actually really really cool. Yeah, as well. Yeah, so it's basically everything except like the first day, like in depth all day training. So it's a yeah, it's an awesome it's an awesome package. Thank you to the uh, the good folks at O'Reilly. So. Here's the question, Aaron. How do we give them away? What do we decide? What's the uh, what's the winning reason why we should give these to somebody? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I think what we need to do is, I mean, it's always been about community, right? So so get in touch with us either through email, show at thecloudcast.net, um, or through Twitter, um, and give us you know your community story, if you will, of of why you want to go to OSCON, what you plan to get out of it, and, and really help us out to really give back to the community. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we, we, yeah, we need to think about this as like, you're there sort of on behalf of the Cloudcast. What are you going to report back to us? Or what are you going to bring that, uh, that adds value to the show? Or just, you know, what, what are you going to do to be awesome for those two days? Um, so yeah, send us that. And, uh, and we'll pick a winner. And we're going to have to do it here pretty quick because uh, unless you live in Austin, you might have to make some travel plans. So. <laughs> right, exactly. And what we'll do is we'll we'll keep this open till till next uh, next Friday, um, April the 29th. We will announce the the, the winners next Friday. Uh, we'll do it. Uh, we'll announce it on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you know, did anyone even know we had Facebook and LinkedIn groups? But we do. Um, <laughs> along with Okurt and uh, other things. <laughs> um, and also too, if, if, uh, if those, that, that there's folks out there that, that either, you know, want to go ahead and get the pass right now or, um, you know, as part of this contest, uh, just end up not, not receiving it. There is a discount code as well. So, so PC cloud will get you OSCON, uh, 30% off all, all tickets and, and all levels. So if you, maybe if you want something beyond the bronze level as well, this, you can use that and apply that. That's right. So it's PC uh, like a personal computer and then cl- the word cloud. So PC C L O U D uh, all together, all caps. That'll get you 30% off uh, OSCON tickets. Yep. And we'll put all the details in the show notes. Cool. Hey, one other thing, um, you know, <laughs> we, we got an email from, uh, from some people who were, who were starting up a podcast here recently. And we, we've gotten a number of those lately and they were asking us, you know, some stuff, Hey, how do you guys do things? And, and this, that, and the other, which we're always happy to share with people. In fact, at, at some point we need to publish our stuff cause it's easier than everyone sending us an email. But, uh, you know, one of the things they were asking us was like, Hey, do you use, uh, you know, do you use SoundCloud and do you use Google play and a bunch of these new places where, where media is being distributed? And, you know, of course we gave our typical, 
uh, well, we did something five years ago. We haven't changed. Um, but it kind of got, <laughs> it, it got our brain rattling a little bit that we, we need to update things. People are, uh, very mobile these days. People listen to stuff, uh, more mobile than, than we do. So give them, give folks an update of what we're, what we're going to do to, to get the, give the, give the power to the people, get the word out. Yeah. To the and so, so this has been super interesting th- this week. So, um, in particular, the Google play, uh, kind of submitted podcast. You can submit a podcast to them. We have submitted a podcast there. It has been approved, but, um, I'll be honest with you. I hadn't seen it yet. Um, so I, I do have, um, um, yeah, we're still- Android based tablet and my Google play, apparently they're doing like a phased rollout and I don't have podcasts. If I go into the Google play, I don't have it yet. And others don't, but some are starting to get it. Some aren't. So, you know, give it, give it a little bit of time for, for Google to propagate this out to everyone, but you will be able to find us. We should, you know, we're already in there. So when it is enabled in, in your region, uh, you should be able to go search for the cloudcast and, and go subscribe to it. Um, we're also looking into SoundCloud. Uh, I admit I did kind of a very cursory uh, look at SoundCloud because a lot of people have been asking about it. And we haven't moved over there yet solely because it seemed like they wanted to host the files as opposed to just pointing at it like, say, Stitcher or some of these others do. So we're looking into that. Um, SoundCloud, um, you know, if you're interested in it, uh, please let us know. Um, but it is something we're definitely investigating. And it, it goes into this larger kind of thoughts on on kind of next generation tools, right? Um, the if you go way back to our origins, you know, there, there wasn't a podcast iOS app. Um, right. There, and most people, most people were like syncing and downloading to their their laptop and then putting it on the putting the files on their phone manually. And you know, now over seventy plus percent of our audience is mobile is specifically Apple, Apple iOS based. And maybe the Google play will change that. I, I certainly hope so. Yeah. Um, we'll start to balance that out a little bit more, but, but you know, everyone's consuming media in new ways these days. Um, whether it's, you know, consuming blogs, whether it's consuming websites, whether it's consuming podcasts. And so we're definitely looking at, um, kind of spring cleaning of the podcast here and figuring out new ways and, and also new tools behind the scenes as well. That's right. And, uh, you know, the the one other, well, so two things, like you said, people used to download them. That was the reason we never went to video that. And the fact that we both have a face made for, for radio. Um, but, uh, you know, so I, don't know that we'll ever get into video. I know some people do. Um, they do it through Hangouts. We don't seem to love Hangouts for whatever reason. Um, and the other thing is, um, we're all excited about the Google Play thing. It gets us into the more Android-based podcasts, but we make no promises that Google won't at some point decide, well, they're not interested in podcasts anymore and, and cut that off. <laughs> right. so, so don't come back and yell at us if Google does what they do and, and kills off a product. So right. uh, we, we, we'll we throw that disclaimer out there. So. Yeah, no, and, and you know, for, for everyone that is Android-based, you know, I, I love Podcast Attic is, uh, is the main pod, podcast uh, catcher, if you will, that I use on the Android platform these days. I love it. Um, but... It'll be interesting to see what they do with Google Play going forward, without a doubt. Yep. Um, so go ahead. So enough about us. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we get to today's show? Like, like I said in the last one, um, this one's a little bit unusual. We we recorded the show with uh, with Matthew Brender, uh, who's on the Intel software defined infrastructure team. He was talking about a, a very cool open source framework called Telemetry, uh, so called Snap that focuses on telemetry. And then for whatever reason, we, we, uh, the thing got hosed up. It, it had, a, had an audio glitch. It had a problem in it. We had to take it down. Uh, We've been trying really hard to recover it, and we finally recovered it. So um, that'll be this, week's, uh, this weekend's show. I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. If you, if you heard it before, you probably got part of it, and uh, this ought to be a little bit different. So uh, thanks again for listening for that one.
Yeah, and you might hear some some edits and cuts here and there. We we did our best to clean it up, and but if you do hear them, it, it maybe is it took a little more uh, cutting and editing uh, th- than usual. But but certainly bear with us on that one, and uh, we'll be back to kind of regular scheduled programming next week. Yeah, so uh, getting ready to uh, it's already May. It's hard to believe it's already May almost, and uh, trade show season's coming. So we'll have a whole lot of stuff from. From events and um, yeah, you're heading to Austin, right? I'm headed to Austin, and then I got OpenStack, and then we're both headed to Vegas for Interop and EMC World, and then you know Docker cons are on the corner, Velocity comps are on the corner, Red Hat Summit. I mean, it's it's going to be a busy year, uh, which is great. Um, a lot of crazy stuff going on in our industry, and we'll try and uh, sort it out for everybody, or at least you know make a little bit of sense of it. Yep, absolutely. And so with that, we're going to cl- kind of close out this intro, and and right after this will be the uh, map render with the Intel and Snap. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to another episode of the Cloudcast. Uh, uh, for our podcast today, wanted to introduce a longtime friend of the show. Uh, who also represents a group of people that are longtime friends of the show. So Matt Brender, developer advocate for uh, Intel SDI Infrastructure Group. How are you doing, Matt? Hey, Aaron. It's a pleasure to be on here. Longtime listener, first-time caller. There you go. So let's kind of start way back at the start. Um, sure. You've had kind of an interesting journey uh, to date um, in getting to this role, um, which is relatively new uh, for for you. So if you don't mind, give everyone kind of brief intro into your journey and how you ended up uh, as developer in, uh, excuse me, developer advocate at Intel. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's certainly interesting. And I'm the first to admit that uh, the title doesn't necessarily mean much. It's kind of confusing. <laughs> um, but it, it really is important in the context of what's happening in the particularly IT infrastructure and just the, the data center these days. So to take a step back, I came up through, um, through EMC. I started in tech support on fiber channel storage arrays, learning the engineering side of that, um, which was super interesting from a nerdy like tuning disk performance by RAID Group and matching LUNs to that and all that kind of jazz. And I found at some point, like, I just couldn't fix the problems I wanted. So I went into engineering to fix the problems. Um, and I found that actually most of the problems that were really bothering me, it wasn't the way the system worked. It was the way we talked about it. So I surprisingly, in my own mind at that time, I wanted to go into marketing uh, and I went into the community marketing team to try to aggregate the conversation and really, you know, bring a bring a level of technical expertise to the way we're talking about hardware and software. Um, so that kind of continued on, and I flip flopped a little between really technical and marketing and up and down the stack. Uh, you, were, you were a self loather for a little while there. Oh, still am. <laughs> still fight it daily. <laughs> Self-loathing marketing as a service uh, is certainly something I'm offering. <laughs> but like, you know, uh, Aaron, along the way, like the the community on, on Twitter and podcasts um, inspired me. So I started participating more. And I don't know, there's been a dot, dot, dot. And as developers become more of the target audience, a developer advocate is is a perfect twist to those, you know, technical aptitude and wanting to tell a compelling story. 
Yeah. And quick plug for everyone out there, too. If you're not already, go listen to the Geek Whispers podcast. Um, Matt is uh, one of three on there and, and good friends, uh, all good friends of the show out there and, and great advice and great guests on, on certainly kind of career building and a lot of a lot of the, the problems and challenges a, a lot of us are facing in the industry. Uh, and really good at helping everyone kind of answer the what's next um, that a lot of people are asking out there, not just, you know, technically, but as far as where you're going to go with your career. So certainly yeah. great stuff and, and, and go listen to that without it. Uh, thank you for that, Aaron. Yeah, it's, it's a real pleasure. I mean, the Geek Whisperers, we all started out as kind of marketing-esque people with technical backgrounds, and we just kept interviewing people that were really interesting that had career shifts and trying to anticipate, okay, based on these ones, um, what are you seeing going forward? Um, and lo and behold, like we realized that we were aggregating this huge list of amazing people that have done awesome things at different times in the industry. And it's turning into like, you know, you can go subscribe to this and basically have mentoring sessions with all these interesting people that have done great things uh, at scale. And that's what I love about the podcast. And that's why we keep recording it. And in my opinion. Yeah, no, absolutely. Completely agree. Now, Let's kind of shift gears, if you will. Um, I'm not going to rehash Intel SDI Group uh, because we've had Jonathan on the show, uh, Jonathan Donaldson, um, and and Nick Nick Weaver has been on the show a bunch of times and is a, is a kind of a regular guest, if you will, and guest host. Um, so I don't feel there's really a need to go into that specifically, but I wanted to dig into Nick did a blog post back in December around the announcement of a telemetry framework called Intel snap. Um, and before we dig into that though, I, I wanted to dig into the concepts behind it and, and how it came to be a little bit of theory versus reality. We'll start with the theory and there's this concept of IRO intelligent resource orchestration and the phases of it, um, you know, and I'll, I'll kind of list them all out and then we can kind of talk them about, talk about it a little bit more and, and, and specifically watching, deciding, acting and learning. And so what is your thoughts around that specifically? And, and what was the kind of the need, um, of, uh, for IRO versus, you know, things that are out there in the industry already today? Uh, it's such a great question, and uh, it's it really comes to a point of view of like where are we coming from as Intel, right? Uh, as Intel, we want you to continue to consume and produce, you know, cloud computing platforms. Um, but what Nick's theory is outlining here is that um, you start by understanding the value you can get from your current investment. And that means you need to be able to to look at a great multitude of information about your systems. This is what makes you know the tier one cloud providers win right now. It's they they get the most money out of their current investment, um, and that that then goes into uh, you know you start watching it, and then you decide based on the information you're able to consume from that system that's been standardized and aggregated and rolled up in in queryable ways. Um, so that decision making has to happen somewhere. And then the acting is like, okay, so you've made a decision, you've come to a conclusion about what you should or shouldn't do in your infrastructure, what are you going to do about it? Um, and it's, it's a really compelling theory of, uh, of practical places to improve and uh, kind of API 
parameters or perimeters across the three areas. And then the learning is all around. You can learn in a sort of smaller phases. You can learn to watch more specific information as you consume vast quantities of raw information and start noticing that there are certain correlations between layers and, and you can improve upon that. Or you can also learn like what to watch and how acting on it uh, you know, changes things for the better. So you can look at it across all three layers, but also as each one as a modular unit of, of possible improvement. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And so as I was reading um, Nick's blog, and, you know, I'm always about trying to break things down into something maybe a little bit easier to understand and, and or, or certainly, um, you know, better ways to kind of transfer that knowledge, if you will. And, and so the way I kind of look at it is, is, is watching is, is a, is a set of eyes, right? It, it is watching that, that data stream or that data flow. And then deciding is, is kind of a bit of a brain for me of how do you not just see all this data coming in, but actually kind of go, oop, that's good. Or oop, that's bad. Um, and then acting is a little bit like hands, right? A little bit of, of taking those decisions and turning them in, into an action that needs to happen. And then the learning one is, is certainly the most interesting thing for me, because I, I think up until now, that is an area that, that certainly has the most growth without a doubt. And so where I'll go with that though, is, is, so if I use a, a human analogy around all of that, um, is Nick trying to create Terminators? Is this Skynet? I'll be back <laughs> with an answer a little later. But <laughs> um, because because it, you know the, the the learning aspect. I mean, that's what's going to c- come. You know, that's when the robots kill the world, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> seriously, yeah, it's it's really interesting to see these. You know, the cloud native environments and you know, the standardization happening around containers. Um, so once containers become a more standardized, deployable object that's been you know uh, blessed by a large group of people, um, you can start decide or you can start watching it in more predictable ways and then if you can watch something you can then decide on it and then the acting on it becomes very natural because you have clear boundaries of what one thing is versus another Um, and then the learning like you know standardization improves all four of these areas Uh, and with snap it's we designed a standardized framework for telemetry or, you know, we can call it metrics, but telemetry is a certain raw or aggregate information from any layer in your infrastructure. And we did this because we found that to be the very first step in enabling people to uh, improve their intelligent resource orchestration. Yep. Makes sense. And so let, I guess that's probably a good uh, turning point to actually talk about the Snap Framework a little bit. Um, so Snap Framework, uh, for those that aren't familiar with it, it was announced in December at a Tectonic Summit, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and so this actually brings to life the stages we just mentioned um, through the concept of, of framework plugins. So there is um, collecting, which would basically match up to watching. There is processing, which would match up to deciding, and then there's publishing, which would kind of maybe sort of uh, match up to to acting if I'm if I'm you know making a one for one correlation. I honestly don't know that it is a one for one correlation. I'm uh, kind of flip that back to you. Yeah, um, 
but but you know there is those three different kinds of plugins uh, without a doubt. And if you don't mind expanding on those a bit, yeah, Aaron, it's really interesting. You you try to map it that way. Um, I'm actually I'm making slides about this right now. Uh, I flip between our code base and PowerPoint right now quite a lot, <laughs> uh, which tells you more about developer advocacy because I'm sure. trying to tell like a really quality story about these things. Um, and when we're talking about Snap, though, we're talking just about the watching phase that there needs to be a better way to collect telemetry throughout the data center gotcha. in a standard, uniform, normalized format. Um, the deciding, acting, and learning, that's, I mean, there are all little hints at it throughout Snap, but the core of what we're doing, we just want you to be able to watch it and put it to a persistent medium that you normally would do that already. So say you already have you know, an infrastructure deployed and your, your standard, what you baked into your AMI, um, or your your deploy system is collecty, and collecty is collecting, and you're aggregating it and doing some sort of rsync and passing it over, uh, and that ends up rolling up into something that you store in th- like rethink DB or some sort of or influx DB for a time series database. Um, you're you're aggregating that information and storing it in places. Um, but what if you want something else? Like what if you have Heka deployed as well? What if you also are using Factor for Puppet? Uh, what if you're running Docker containers and you want to start snagging some information from there that there isn't a plugin already built around? Or if you want to use a new plugin but you don't want to have to reload the framework and possibly you know, change the endpoints. So Snap is a framework built of collectors, processors, and publishers that are all modular and non-blocking. So as you edit any of them, as you change the tasks of what they're doing and collecting, you actually just on the fly will update uh, without any reboots, interrupts, any of that. Um, So we really designed a modular framework that will be able to collect from all sorts of different platforms and put it into a single catalog of metrics that are queryable and then you can publish it to any endpoint that we have a plug-in for, or you write your own. They're actually quite easy to write. Oh, and that's and that's fantastic. And probably one of the biggest things, at least that I've seen personally in talking to customers too, is this is that concept of of just the the collecting stage just can be so ugly from all the different sources. And then it almost becomes kind of a custom workflow workflow based on collecting, right? If I if I want to collect from Docker versus you know collect from something else, I may have to do something unique in that workflow. And so what what you're really doing there, if I understand this correctly, is really kind of normalizing these workflows so that you're always collecting from all these different various sources, and then through the processing and publishing uh, plugins, you're kind of normalizing the backend data. Is that a correct way to look at it? You, you nailed it. Absolutely. Because um, so current collectors to, to take a few that we have right now and just say, OK, let's say you wanted to collect things from an Intel specific hardware um, information you can pull. We've got Intel Node Manager that has information about, you know, everything from your your power utilization on your CPU to how much um, your power is being utilized by memory. So real low-level temperature and power consumption information. And you also want to pick that up next to like PSUtil, 
common utility to snag some uh, information about your operating environment, your CPU load, the the system mode it's in. So these can be just flags. These can be aggregate numbers. These can be numbers that are uh, given at just some point. So what's like the average load in the last minute? That's one that comes out of PSUtil. And you want to take all of those and send them downstream um, and to your point, Aaron, like the pain at times is just how do I query that once I have it? Because it's in so many different formats from so many different platforms that were never designed to, you know, correlate with each other necessarily. So we've got this concept of a metric catalog. So every collector plugin um, has some sort of namespace uh, dedicated to whatever it is. Um, so slash Intel slash PSUtil slash you know, um, the metric that you want to gather, say, um, PSUtil slash load slash load of one for the last one minute or load 15, which is another one. And then you can query that downstream. If you want everything from PSUtil, um, you'd push it to your database and you'd query everything star to that point, the PSUtil. If you want to grab things from other things, you'd star from there. So the idea that you have it in a single uniform and clean um, sort of structure that you can query downstream is just, I we find that incredibly empowering and a story that people are find very compelling. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> it's it's interesting to me as well, um, and to, to kind of your credit uh, as well, uh, kind of realizing early on that, that you want to kind of head down the, this developer path. I mean, at the end of the day, what we're doing is all empowered from, you know, at the, ver- at the very most basic level at, as an API, right? And, and we are getting away from this idea of, of a bunch of utilities that all kind of, if I'm a data center operator, a bunch of utilities that all kind of do its own query and does this and does that. We're getting to this idea of universal APIs collected through a universal framework and then being able to be queried and pulled out of from there. And it's, it's one big database for the data center for operations. Yeah, yeah. And I also want to say, though, there's so much strength from coming from an operations background Mm -hmm. and understanding the pain of IT operations. Because another point we didn't even get into, which we're really proud of about Snap, is that it's designed to be updated and dynamic. So uh, a task is the thing in which you define this, the collector, processor, publisher uh, workflow. And you can change a task on the fly. You can update plugins on the fly, and a task will continue to run and pull the next rev. You can pin to certain revs. Or you can actually administrate these at scale using tribes, which are ways of saying uh, some number of SnapD daemons are part of a single tribe. And when I update a plugin on one tribe, one, one tribe member, it actually propagates to the others. So uh, this is actually really interesting because of the operational pain and Anyone that comes from the IT admin, sysadmin background knows what operational pain is. Um, so those skills are still super valuable. Uh, it, they're just evolving, right? Like it's changing to an API perimeter instead of, uh, you know, which virtual system and which operating system are we running? Yep. Yep. Makes sense. And so then since it's released in December, what are some of kind of the early use cases and, and, and when and where does, does Intel Envision folks actually using this framework and, and for what purposes specifically? Yeah, I mean, the extensibility is 
nearly endless, which is also part of why software systems like this can be overwhelming at first. Um, right, exactly. It's it's I'm kind of th- th- that is the one of those things that almost can be everything to everyone. Right? Yeah. So, so where do where do people start? <laughs> so you, you you have to have a problem, right? Like let's be realistic, uh, and that's that's part of what the storyteller uh, as a developer advocate that I need to continue to do for us is tell the stories of what are pains and how does this help solve them. Um, so this is really a question of you're running a cloud environment, probably on premises, private cloud, maybe a hybrid cloud. And you're trying to be able to see across a diverse set of systems. Um, and you have an idea of, you know, when these things happen, I need to change this stuff. Um, one example that came up pretty early on was uh, a, a VMware admin who's very familiar with uh, the VMware API, wanted to also get down to the, the smarts data on their disks, on their servers, and they thought of Snap as a way to be able to get that smarts data because we have a, a collector plugin for that. And maybe if you start seeing some smarts data from your disks, start saying that, hey, this disk might be going out soon, you can you know, mark it at a higher level to say, let's stop deploying to that server. Um, and it's really interesting, right? Because there's some correlation downstream you have to think about, and we're not to the point of solving that problem for you. But just the idea of empowering people to realize they can aggregate all types of diverse information and then pass it to something which could decide on it later, uh, that's what we want to get to right now. Um, there are more, there are a lot of, uh, people doing POCs right now. Uh, and I just, unfortunately I don't have, um, many I can talk about just yet, but, um, you can, if you go on GitHub and look at the, the teams that have starred the repo, we're at 500 plus stars and you start looking at the companies that are doing it, you'll, you'll start thinking of really interesting use cases on your own and I'll let your imagination run wild there. Nice, nice. And so I, I actually was going to, my next question was going to be, how has the community embraced this? But, but you kind of answered that one. And, but, but so I'll kind of flip it back to you personally. Um, you've been in the role a couple months now. Is that correct? Yeah, I've been at Intel since November. Okay. Uh, I joined um, pretty quickly in order to help uh, get documentation and sort of use cases mapped out a bit more for Snap and and help with that you know that softer side of the development lifecycle sure. uh, in our GitHub repo. So what so what challenges do you specifically face to date as a developer advocate and 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 what's next for both Snap and and the SDI group in general uh, that that you kind of is on your radar and is your I don't know six to twelve month kind of roadmap if you will for you? Oh yeah, uh, no, I, I love that question. So um, what I'm facing right now is you know prioritizing the stories we tell, like, uh, and I, I'm trying to get an understanding of who's interested in Snap and why are they interested. Um, and I want to share those stories of why they're interested to get other people thinking about why they should be interested. Um, so right now we've got a team of people that are working very closely with external external to Intel engineering teams. We also have a ton of engineering teams inside Intel, as you can imagine, that are also interested in standardizing telemetry gathering across all sorts of devices that we create. Um, and trying to bring that all together in a way 
that uh, tells a compelling story. So some days that's, you know, I'm writing blog posts and I'm actually going to start doing a, a blog specifically for our team and getting people like the distributed systems engineers that work on Mesos on our team to start talking about why that's cool and why that's related. Um, but also just like have a 101, why should I care about telemetry conversations as well. So I want to get more content out there, um, but I've mostly been working on speaking engagements because I, I think there's really, when it comes to any open source project, if you build it, they won't come. I don't believe in the field of dreams in open source anymore. <laughs> um, sure. There, there's just too many options. So you've got to be really great at communicating why your option is wise and to whom it's wise to. Uh, and I want to get ahead of that as much as possible because I, I think there's a great story for Snap and for other projects we're working on to, fi- to fit into the much larger ecosystem at play. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And because it's been kind of a long running kind of, you know, if people listen to this show over time, they, they, they can actually get some trends. Uh, uh, around the questions we kind of ask. And it's actually kind of funny. One of the questions we always ask a lot of the startups, and and now we've started to ask all the, you know, open open source project people that we've had on the show as well is we always like to ask them, you know, and the, the what problem do you solve question? Because you can tell how much thought they've put into it ahead of time with how readily they answer that question. And yeah. sometimes you can almost immediately determine success or failure in the future <laughs> based on how how succinct and how clear that answer is at times. Yeah, I, I hope I passed that. You did, test. you did. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I also want to do the same thing. I, I think for to go full circle back to the job title developer advocate, um, I think the litmus test for why you need a developer advocate is because Right now, if you go to some of these other like really exciting open source projects, the code might be flawless, but you're either seeing readme files that it either looks like the developer never got to the to-do items that they wrote in there. It literally just says to-do, um, which, <laughs> it, honest to God, it said that in November for most of Snap, and the team was amazing at you know rallying together and building, building it out. Um, but it's either that or you have... Uh, open source project that went through the marketing uh, department and some of the phrasing, the phraseology that comes out of that, it just looks like cloud confetti. Uh, there's just a mess of stuff on the screen that doesn't really make sense to the technical people that want to use it. So um, I think developer advocacy is crucial these days to making sure the, the right audience uh, has got the right level of detail so that they have the scaffolding to begin and improve upon a project. Yep, I agree. I agree. And uh, so the word of the day is phraseology, by the way. (laughs) I love that. I like making up words. (laughs) All right. Um, With that, I I think we're out of time for this week. Uh, um, Matt, where can everyone find out more about you, about Intel, about Snap? Yeah, well, I'll I'll send you some links to Snap. We're on GitHub uh, under the Intel SCIX team. Uh, X is the emerging trend side. And then personally, I'm podcasting almost weekly on the Geek Whispers, which is at underscore Geek Whispers or no, at Geek underscore Whispers. And then you can find me on Twitter at MJ Brender or on GitHub that way, too. Awesome. All right. Thank you very much for your time. On behalf of Brian, who wasn't able to make it this week. uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. 
Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 